Hello, fellow nerds, and welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers podcast, episode 103, which is a convenient final digit. We are recording on Wednesday, June 9th, 2021, the day before the Summer Game Festival kickoff. I'm one of your hosts, Chris, at VG Occasion Stern, and today we are going to talk about the build-up to E3, the smash critical consensus hit that is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and the future of the battlefield. Joining me for this lovely discussion today, I have Angie Stellar Smalls. Angie, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Vibing. You sound crystal clear on your new microphone. Oh, do I? That's I have no idea. I'm just ch- testing it out today. It's probably a bad thing to do that, but I'm doing it. No worries. What'd you no get? better place to test it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right? And that's the voice of Johnny Samsonite, John Swanson. John, how are you doing today? Good, man. Thanks. Awesome. Let's jump into the lowdown. If you would like to be a part of the conversation... Or if you have a pressing question that you want us to weigh in on, you can reach us on Twitter at MN Gamers Podcast. Also, that alarm is on our end. If you hear the alarm, I hope you don't. Siren, not alarm. At MN Gamers Podcast on Twitter. If you do not use Twitter, you can send an email the old-fashioned way to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. That's our website that you can go check out. You can also sign up for our newsletter there, Mostly Normal Monthly, or you can find it at mngamers.substack.com, where the back issues live as well. We will have a new issue of that coming straight to inboxes this coming Monday. Uh, yeah. Once I'm excited about it. Insight onto the Summer Games mess, right? The mess, the mess is sprawling and seems to grow more and more every day. It's impossible to clean up. It's like trying to mop up tar with paper towels. Um, Let's jump into what we've been playing. Angie, I see a game on your playlist that I really enjoyed but haven't finished. Yeah, it's all I've been playing and I haven't been playing it a lot. But that's all I've been playing. So Luigi's Mansion 3. I played it for a good chunk of time and then I paused because you know, Breath of the Wild kind of took over me and my life. Um, Did it possess you like a ghost? <laughs> in the best possible way. I don't know if there's a bad way, good way. Anyway, it was Breath of well, the, the Wild good, amazing. The good way to be possessed is like in the movie Ghost with, with what's his name, right? Oh, jeez. Patrick Swayze. And then Patrick Swayze. It's a little and steamy the, for me. The bad way to be possessed is most other forms of possession. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. I suppose if I, yeah, if I had to choose one, I'd choose Patrick Swayze, hands down. But anyways, so I picked Luigi's Mansion 3 back up to just to get a change of pace with different games that I've been, that I have in my repertoire. Um and I got, I beat some levels. I just, I love how they have each level as a different theme. I just, I yeah. don't know why I love it so much, but I do, I love it. So it's, I did, 
I think there was like a magician level and like a tomb. The tomb level was one of my favorites by far. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like 10 or nine or something. Yeah. There's a lot of them too. And they're oh, all so very many. clever and creative. I, I like that game a lot. Right. In each way, right? Like the garden one was really cool looking. I liked yeah. that one a lot too. Um, but yeah, I haven't finished it yet. I think, I don't know, maybe 75% of the, percent of the way through. Because I take i'm really tedious with this game like i will go through every nook and cranny and just vacuum all the things up and i'll just yeah and i'm like i know this has to come out or i can go in this area somehow just how do i do it so i just sit there for a while to try to figure it out and sometimes it's a little too long so i look it up but it's uh it's been really fun to just mosey around in that game and kind of just figure some stuff out I will. There's not a lot of stuff to spend your coins on, if I remember correctly. No, you can spend your coins on. I have like a shit ton of coins. So you can spend your coins on like these little um, cards that kind of look like old school Game Boy ca- um, canister or not canisters, cartridges. Yeah. Um, but you, for finding booze where it shows you the boo location or gems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh, is that really right. the yeah. only stuff? Because I was pretty early in the game, I think, when I fell off of it. Re- my girlfriend and I played couch co-op when it was Halloween time and then oh, kind of yeah. took a pause when it was no longer spooky season. But is it really just kind of those like help finding extra hidden item stuff? Basically. You can spend oh, there, money on? And you can spend money on, I think, I think all of these are just a thousand coins. Um, you can also get a golden bone, which if you run out of your hearts, the, your ghost dog will give you a bone and you get all of your hearts oh, it's back. Like, the resurrection like a, thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that's basically what you could spend your money on. I know there's new attachments that when I was doing some looking up because I couldn't figure out a part, I noticed that there's an attachment that you can get later on. Or maybe I just didn't look through everything yet in the guy's little dome down in the basement. But the professor. Mm-hmm. But um I'm assuming you can spend money on getting that too, or maybe he gives it to you like the Guji pack or Goji pack or whatever you call it. Yeah. I don't, I played Luigi's Mansion three and then I played dark moon after that. So I'm probably getting them confused on which one Mm. is which or which one like, you know what I mean? Yeah. My, my streams are crossing. um, (laughs) If you will. I haven't Uh, played dark moon. It's real good. I, I mean, I would argue it's maybe slightly better in some ways and not quite as good in other ways. It, I, it's still really creative. The level creation is, but uh, or level design rather. But um, the level design in Luigi's Mansion Three is better, and obviously the graphics are slightly better, and that the gameplay is a little bit better because the Switch is a little bit better than the 2DS. I would say so. Um, yeah, they yeah. both have their I, positives and negatives for sure. But Dark Moon's still a great game in 2021 when the 2DS is or 3DS is completely outdated. Like you know? mm-hmm. old old news. I think it yeah. has really great variety of the levels in Dark Moon. I I loved that one. Yeah, it is really um, good. What a good franchise. Yeah, for sure. Do you have a 2DS, Angie? I don't. So is it only 3DS? on 2DS or 3DS? I think- I think so for now. Yeah, that's. I think one of my nephews has one. I can steal one from him or something. Or GameCube. Do you have a GameCube? Oh, my mom does. Probably <laughs> there you go. Her. Borrow <laughs> your mom's GameCube. 
<laughs> there was I a rem- didn't they put out a remake of the first one on the DS as well? Luigi's Mansion? Yeah. That oh, I'm not sure. Because I played one's... Luigi's Mansion. I just didn't play, like, I played Luigi's Mansion and then I played this one. I haven't played Dark Moon. So I think I just skipped it. Luigi's Mansion for N- Nintendo 3DS, yeah. Well, I yeah. played it on GameCube. I think Dark Moon was on GameCube originally, too. Maybe I'm wrong. No, right. that was just on DS. Mm. Or oh, really? 3DS. Yeah. Oh, well, never mind then. <laughs> Chris, what have you been playing, man? What haven't I been playing? Um, <laughs> I continued a little bit further into Dishonored 2. I finished up the Asylum level, and I um, really appreciated the non-lethal approach that they give you in that level, kind of being um, a little bit involved. Um, I won't go too far into it because it's kind of a mechanical spoiler or something. Um, I just think those games are such like awesome little playgrounds to explore. Like the degree of openness in that asylum level of like places and nooks and crannies to find. And like, there's like water surrounding cause this is, a, it's this asylum that's just on this one Island and it's just surrounded by water and you can just swim all the way around the Island <laughs> and like come up on a, com- yeah, come up on like a completely different approach avenue of approach to it um if you can get down to the water without falling to your death which is another story um but you can do it and um i think like pretty early into the level i had like climbed all the way up onto the rooftop of that level and like a central feature of the level is an elevator and i had like managed to climb all the way to the fourth floor where the elevator lets off first which felt like i was like way at the end of it um, and then I kind of like worked my way down, which felt very backwards, but I really appreciated. Um, and there's just like windows you can smash to climb through to get to different levels of the place. And I, I like the variety of approaches that it has. I am kind of struggling to feel out like what powers I want to invest in. And so I've kind of just been like investing in the stat upgrade kind of things, but I'm digging the game so far. I... I'm a little bit more loosey goosey with killing people in combat than I want to be, but that's fine. <laughs> that's how I was. And we probably talked about this last week or two weeks ago, but like when I played it, I was just like tried for a little bit and then I eventually got frustrated and just murdered the shit out of everybody I saw. Um, and that's a yeah. game that definitely gets a, a lot easier as you progress to do the non-lethal combat. I think, or to take people out in different ways. Cause you can, once you get the blink, is it called a blink? Like you can dart from one location to another. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as you get that, the game's like opens up a lot. Do you know if Emily gets that ability or if it's just Corvo? I don't remember. You're playing two, right? Yeah. Cause like you get to pick which person you play as. And I think they have different like abilities available to them. I'm pretty sure I played as Emily and not Corvo, but okay. you, you pick one or the other, right? From the beginning on. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure uh, she does, but maybe it's not until later on. And I could be wrong. I could have played as Corvo, but I don't think I did because you play as him in the first game. So I think I wanted to try something different. So I played as Emily. Mm-hmm. 
So um, maybe just we'll get it a little bit later on. Yeah. I, I find like when I screw up stealth and like I get rushed by like four or five enemies, I've gotten a little bit better about getting out of that situation and not caring that I've like ended up killing people. But it's still really hard for me to be like, one dude saw me and now I got four or five people trying to fight me with swords and guns. Like, yep. yeah, it is frustrating. It is stressful. But I, I've let go of the perfection of like being perfectly stealthy, and I just have been creeping around and exploring nooks and crannies and trying to take out the bosses non-lethally. So I think that makes for more interesting stuff. Um, I love hearing you talk about this game because I still need to download it. Um, cause ever since I seen it and I was like, Oh, this looks awesome. Maybe I should do it. But ever since I heard you first talking about it before, I think it was a couple weeks ago or so. I just need yeah. to download this game and get into it. Cause it just sounds so awesome. Every single time you talk about it. It, I'm really curious to see what you'll think about it because I don't know that it's like the best first person shooter experience. Like, I don't think the shooting mechanics of the game are all that fun, but I don't think they're meant to be, if that makes sense. Right. I'm I'm interested. I want to see what I could do stealth-wise in this game. Yeah. I want to see what happens there. The other stuff that's happened recently is I, I finally busted my Switch back out. Yeah. Um, and I've been playing two games. One is I, I jumped back in Final Fantasy XII, and I felt like I was like accidentally on the final level from how many like i got in this boss fight at the end of this level first of all this level was like legitimately hard in a way that none of the other levels had been um so for people who don't know final fantasy 12's combat system is you like set up basically a series of commands for your character to follow based on different contexts and then they like do the combat for you which is awesome and amazing and fun for me but i have a weird brain and so you set up all of these like if then things and a lot of my if then statements rely on people being able to use items to heal status effects because status effects are like the one thing that will ruin my day or like I have certain characters that will only be able to heal with a potion or whatever. So I have these if then statements set up and I'm on the third section of this level um, and it says you've chosen to be give up your ability to use items in order to progress further. And so I can no longer use items to deal with, or no, I had to give up my ability to use magic. And almost all of my heals were set up as magic. <laughs> and so I spent all of my potions. Oh. Um, and I had like- In like one encounter you did? It, well, it's not in one encounter, but it's in like that section of the level, which is like a series of encounters um, oh. where you're not able to use magic. So like a dungeon or something like that. Well, a, a stage of a dungeon, basically. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And like, it was by like a thread that I got through that part. Like there was some <laughs> real rough, rough patches. And like, the thing is like, I went in and like, was like, okay, I can no longer rely on Curaga to heal my party. So I have to swap it out for a high potion or X potion. Right. But like the game doesn't tell you, Hey, you've run out of high potions from using it over and over again. And so I just... If the character like uses up all of the high potions, they don't just say, oh, I'm out of high potions. Logically, the next step would be to burn through all my potions or my X potions. It's just your command line says, if hurt high potion, I'm out of high potions. I'm not going to heal. Oh. 
So I used like a ton of Phoenix downs and all of my potions and like forgot to check that for a second. So it was very clunky, but I got to the, those rules. Like you can, that's, that's an active part of it, but you know, it combat is not like turn based. It's kind of like real time. And Uh that's like in one of the menus in the pause menu. So you can go in and change it in the middle of combat, but you're like pausing and exiting the game experience and going into a menu to set it up. Oh, okay. So I get to the top of this place and I'm fighting one boss and then that boss gets defeated and then another boss shows up and there's a cutscene about this boss showing up. And then that boss gets interrupted and a cutscene happens where another boss shows up and I have to fight him. And then that boss has a cutscene and summons something and I have to fight the summon and that boss at the same time. And then there's a cutscene after that. And I was like, damn, this must be the end of the game. Where'd this come from? And it wasn't. Is this Grifflands or Final Fantasy XII? This is Final oh, Fantasy XII. Yeah, because you said Kuraga, and I was like, that's a Final Fantasy game. But so as you said... playing it on your Switch? And I'm playing it on my Switch. And so I am I think I'm like really close to the end of the game, but I could be completely wrong. Um, <laughs> that could just be a, a major crazy fight that you just ran into for no damn reason. Well, yeah. it also, like, there were like story stakes. I like, there was like all of this stuff happening. I destroyed the sun crist well i didn't do it you know but they're like you're out here destroying what's like basically a super weapon that you're choosing not to use it was a whole thing so then the other game that i've played on switch which i only jumped into just a little bit of but i've been super excited about this game coming out of early access on steam um and it's clay entertainment's latest game griftlands um clay are the people who made mark of the ninja which is like one of my all-time favorite games um, they have an amazing 2D art in all of their games. Um, and I think most people would know them from Don't Starve and Don't Starve Together. Um, but Griftlands is a run-based, card-based RPG almost. Um, so I just did like the first little tutorial part of it. And I've gone and I've like met up with this person who I need to collect um a debt from to kind of establish myself. And in order to collect that debt, I have to do a favor for them and I'm persuading people. So there's two mechanic systems. Both of them are card-based. There's card-based combat, which I have not seen yet. And then there's also card-based communication and like dialogue tree mechanics almost, if that makes sense. Um, And so like, you can get into like a card-based persuasion or debate battle with someone. Um, And so as an example, I wanted to like, one of the people who I was supposed to go collect a debt from is like this shopkeeper. And I go up to her and I'm like, I want to persuade her to give me some extra items for free since I'm doing her a favor and helping her out to pay off her debt. Right. Um, and so what happens is you get into like basically what would be combat, but it's just like negotiation. And so you have a completely different set of cards that help you negotiate with someone as opposed to fight them. And you're like trying to defeat their argument and like you're deflecting their arguments against your argument in order to protect it so that you don't lose. Um, there's like 
mechanics that look like it's like being kind and like trying to use niceness to persuade people versus being intimidating and trying to like scare people into cooperating with you. So uh, what was the like name a, of that? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, it sounds kind of like a debate, but with cards. Yes. And that's like half of the game is that you can do like debate or like conversational stuff with a deck of cards. Yeah. But you had a question, John? Yes. Yeah, uh, no, it's okay. Uh, what was that game? Remember when we bought that? Uh, oh, the bundle. Yeah. For social for, justice from last year. Yeah, Signs yeah. of the Sojourner, I think. Yes. It reminds me of that because just in you describing it, because if there's, remember in that game, if you had a certain language, like your language was icons. And if you didn't have matching icons then you couldn't communicate effectively and stuff like that, it kind of reminds me of that kind of yeah. system but you played that game so i don't know if they're similar or not i didn't play too much of it I, I i kind of am like probably equally far into this game as i got into signs of the sojourner but it's similar just in the sense that they're using card mechanics to express something other than combat um which i think is really cool but it's different in that in signs of the sojourner it was very much like a way of like showing the flow of an abstract conversation. It was like an abstraction of the conversation. And it was showing the flow and whether or not you're going together and like agreeing in the conversation or disagreeing. And if it's going poorly, right. Whereas this is very much like you are trying to convince someone of something and you are attacking their argument or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's much more, if you've played like any card battle game of any kind, like it's like, this, you get three actions to use. Um, so you can play three cards a turn because each card will cost action points or you have like three action points to use. Some of them cost zero action points. So they're like free to play as extra cards to get a bonus. And then you're drawing up a card of hands and like you're trying to chip hit points ostensibly off of an argument. But it's like the context is not meant to be violent. It's meant to be like conversation. Um Still very early on, only did that twice, but I persuaded her to give me an extra item, which was a card that I added to my combat deck or something. And then I persuaded the guard that was hanging out at the bar that she works in to come help me on my adventure. Um, I'm interested in seeing more. Um, my feedback is that I'm worried that the switch screen, like I I feel like it was made for people to play on the computer where like the icons are all kind of small and like it doesn't feel like the information is super legible in some st stuff playing it on just the screen of the handheld switch. But um, I feel like that's also like I'm just brand new to the game and like haven't really wrapped my head all the way around it yet. So is it out, out on switch you said? Yeah, it came out earlier this week. Um, I'm actually like, because of the gaming media that I have not been consuming as much of, um, the way it came up was like, my, one of my lists on Twitter is like platform holders. And I have like the Nintendo Indie World account in that platform holders list. And it like, said here's a tweet from your platform holders list and it was like griftlands out now on nintendo switch and i was like oh shit i have to go buy that like now because i've this has like been one of my most anticipated games since it was shown at like a couple e3s ago or something i think um 
Nice. And that's mostly based off of Clay's reputation f- yeah. with me from Mark of the Ninja. I did play Mark of the Ninja, and I I liked that game eventually. It took me a while to get into it, because anytime I hear like Ninja Stealth, I still want something closer to like Ninja Gaiden, like a mix between Ninja Gaiden and Metal Gear Solid. Um, okay. And that game is definitely not that, but that doesn't mean it's a bad game. You just have to be more strategic about how you go around and it's, it's it's closer to like a dishonored where it's not necessarily a sim but there's certainly more than one way to approach a level and how you get around it so um i definitely liked it when i played it on switch i finally played it on switch when it came out on that so it is a they do have a fantastic reputation so is this game matching your expectations i don't so know yet I like literally did like the tutorial of how to do card combat and then two negotiations and I probably played for like 20 minutes. So it's, I'm going to dig into it a bit more. I, I think it's something that like, hopefully the card mechanics will start making a little bit more sense and like be more exciting. I'm a little bit hesitant about it because it is like, kind of like a roguelite run-based thing where like you just start over if you die. Um, I'm going to be curious to see how that plays out, but it looks like you can like level up cards and make them stronger over time and stuff. So yeah, it's a little bit to be determined. Cool. Well, I look forward to hearing more about it. Yeah. John, what about you? What are you playing? Well, speaking of having to start over when you die, I've been playing a little game called Valheim, thanks to my friend Greg, who uh, is a pretty avid PC gamer and delves into a lot of games like that I probably wouldn't play. Like he's a big Divinity of Original Sin, or is that what it is? Divinity of Original Sin 2? DOS 2, mm. you know what I'm talking about? And like, mm-hmm. uh, play, he plays a lot of board games and shit too. So, uh, I played Valheim. Have you heard of that? Either of you guys? Yeah, my coworker told me to download it and play it because she plays it with her friends a lot. And I haven't done that yet. So, I've I've, never... I've heard a little bit, but... I've never played Minecraft, but which I know is weird, but I've heard it's a lot like more of an adult-style Minecraft where you are put into this massive world basically by yourself or you can start a your own server which is what my buddy did so i just joined their server and you just basically build different stuff based on what you collect you start as like a naked dude or female in the middle of nowhere in this like uh viking type uh world where or at least based off the viking gods of like odin and hence the word Valheim, like, um, and you're just kind of like left naked in the middle of nowhere and you have to survive the elements and find shelter and defend yourself. And then you can slowly build things as you acquire new materials. And, uh, like you can chop down trees and then use the wood to build a hammer and then use the hammer to build a shelter and then use five rocks to make a fire and, that kind of thing. And it's also, if you die, you can make it back to your body and like get your equipment back or whatever. Um, but a lot of the stuff is kind of lost to 
um, over time if you just aren't able to progress to a certain extent after a while. And there is like a story, but you don't, it's not like tutorialized where it's like, here, go here and do this. It's just like, okay, have fun <laughs> like in this world, I guess. So it's definitely not my cup of tea generally, but it is fun to like sit there and just chat with my friend for like two hours while we're uh, rocking out on it, um, building random stuff and killing trolls and uh, dying a lot, or at least I am because I'm very early on. So Because there's no guide, it kind of reminds me of um, the Lost, was it the Last Dark, the Lost Dark that I was playing before? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't really give you any guidance. Like the first beginning when you're in the airplane hangar, you get a little bit of guidance. But besides that, it just tells you like, hey, go pick this up, go pick this up. And then once you're off on the plane and you are out in the land, like they don't give you any guidance of what to do. You kind of have to figure it out. Yeah. And the way you figure it out is by dying and then trying something different after you die. Like, uh, that's just kind of, yeah, it is kind of sometimes. So like, like it doesn't tell you how to build a hammer or how to make a fire. You just have to collect five rocks and then it'll probably tell you, Hey, you can build a fire by rubbing five rocks together or whatever it does or building a hammer. Like it'll all of a sudden pop the ability to do it when you collect the materials to actually do it. So um, it's definitely not uh, hand-holding by right. any stretch. So uh, I kind of like that, but yeah. also it's like if I'm trying to build this damn fire or trying to do something five times in a row and I'm dying five times in a row, can you just give me a hint? Something? Yeah, agreed. And I, I, I guess the reason I'm kind of usually turned off from games like this is because my game playing time is limited. So, and I just find it frustrating to be aimlessly wandering around places, I guess. And it's just not like my cup of tea usually. Like I said, I'll, I'll jump on it and play with my buddy because he's one of my best friends and we can, it gives us an opportunity to like chat for a couple hours. So, um, that's pretty cool. But, um, and the game's fun, especially if you're into this kind of thing, like it's really fun, but it's just more frustrating because for instance, like I went to his server and he has like all this shit. So I like made armor and a bow and arrow and like all this stuff. It would have taken me probably 20 to 30 hours to figure out how to do on my own in a matter of like an hour. And then I went out and got murdered by a massive troll that I saw in, in like the first five minutes of being outside of this fort area. So um, how do the trolls look? I'm kind of curious. They're huge. They're like, uh, well, they're blue and they look like really doofy i guess like they look like um a giant like dwarf from uh the seven dwarves what is it the name of that movie <laughs> snow white the seven snow dwarves? white yeah <laughs> snow white and the seven. it's like they look like giant dwarves from that movie but like leaner <laughs> and blue smurfs they're like big smurfs that's what they are do they have a bulbous nose yeah that's what Love made it. me think of it. Yeah. yeah. At least I think they, in my brain, they do anyway. So <laughs> if you it. go play that game and they don't, then that's my bad. That's just my bad memory, I guess. Uh, that's my bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I also finished Resident Evil 8, which is fucking as Resident Evil as it gets, like just completely ridiculous and making no sense at all. Um, and it's, it's definitely a lot closer to RE4. And I probably will be writing about this for our thing uh i have to travel this weekend so 
I don't know if I'll be able to catch a lot of the goings on with the summer games mess. I have to go back to Nebraska for a wedding. So I'll probably write about it. So in more detail, so look for it on our Substack that comes out on Monday, but, uh, suffice it to say, like it's a callback to resident evil four. It's definitely more actiony and much to my excitement. When you finish, you can restart your save on any difficulty with the equipment that you ended your last playthrough with. Oh, the new game plus. Yeah. It, it doesn't call it that, but yeah. And much to my dismay though, I started and I was like, okay, I ended with pretty good weapons. So I'm going to do hardcore. I'm going to go up a notch in difficulty because I have pretty good weapons. Um, but I had like no ammo on any of these weapons. So starting over again, I'm at this part where it's just like pretty difficult uh, towards the beginning of the game. And the fact that I'm on hardcore is not helping my cause. And I looked to see if I could turn it down and I didn't immediately find a way that I could turn the difficulty back down to normal. So um, I'm not sure if I'll play it through again, but I do want to because it. I do love these games when you are just OP as hell and you can go through you and just blow everything away. They're so much more fun to me when they're uh, in that manner rather than just like the survival horror like Resident Evil 1 where you had to have inventory room for your ribbons to type on the typewriter for your saves and shit. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, but if you like Resident Evil, this is definitely worth giving it a go. For sure. Scale of... One to ten. How poop your pants scary is this game? Oh, it's not scary at all. I I mean, I guess I wouldn't say that. That makes me sad. It's suspenseful. Um, There are definitely some scary moments. I would say if you're, you know, people have like, some people are afraid of clowns. (laughs) Like if you see a clown, Mm -hmm. somebody gets scared of a clown, like whatever. Uh, So if you're scared of like dolls, like, you know, like, antique dolls this might be scary there is one moment that i can think of uh that like one area in which you're in like Uh, where you're running away from something nice angie uh (laughs) where you're running away from something and uh it's pretty it's pretty freaky and like that constant did you guys play resident evil 2 remake i did not okay so like the, I can't remember the dude's name, the dude in the hat that's basically chasing you around and you can hear footsteps and him like somewhere, but you can't tell where he is, but he is chasing you. And when he finds you, he's going to beat the crap out of you. It does have that element in there a couple times. Um, but for the majority of the game, like, I don't know, unless you're scared of werewolves and or Mr. Dolls. X. Yeah, Mr. X. Uh, yeah, Sorry the, for that. No, that's boy. okay. That's okay. It's yeah. I would definitely describe it more as suspenseful than scary. Resident Evil Seven. Granted, I played it in VR, but that game scared the shit out of me. So, uh, comparatively speaking, I would say Resident Evil Seven was like a eight on the scary scale, and this game's like probably like a four or five. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Maybe I'll so. actually check it out then. It's good, man. Uh, I get scared pretty easily, too. So keep that in the back of your pocket, too. It's like it's uh, I don't know. Some people don't get as scared as I do about with this shit. So 
I'm a little scaredy cat. The only horror game that I've like really, really played other than Resident Evil 4, which I never finished, but I like spent a ton of time with friends doing like pass the controller on the couch kind of stuff Mm -hmm. is um, Dead Space 1. I loved that game. Yeah, I'm. Would you say this is scarier or less scary? Than oh, Dead way Space? less scary, dude. Dead Space One was is probably one of the scarier games I've ever played. I think because that game is like survival horror too. Like there are definitely cool actiony elements in it, but you cannot just go blasting your way through uh, Dead Space. Like that game is, especially the first one. I think they got more actiony as they went along, but like the first one was really. Uh, survival horror and difficult and scary mm. cool mm. awesome it's good to set my expectations that maybe i'll play it one day <laughs> yeah i would awesome. recommend it shall we jump into some news yeah First up, I I don't know about you all, but the scuttlebutt of the week has been that a big game comes out, and that big game is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and it is getting glowing reviews from places. Um, it looks like it's sitting at an 89 on Metacritic right now. Um, I know the Washington Post, uh, Gene Park called it like the best game playstation exclusive since bloodborne and gave it a perfect score wow that's Um, aggressive people are i was just about to say that and i don't play playstation (laughs) people are pouring the praise on it saying that it like is since it is exclusive to the ps5 it's really taking advantage of that tech and like showing off why the solid state drive is super important and all this great stuff um tell me on on hype levels I guess John, you first as, a, as the PlayStation Five owner on yeah. the recording. I was uh, just thinking, where are like, you at? There's one. There's a thing in here for all of us. There's a news story in here for all of us because we're talking about Battlefield next, and Angie knows all about that shit. And Halo, y'all got you got to understand though. I love Ratchet and Clank. Ratchet yeah. and Clank Three was like one of my favorite PlayStation Two games. Yeah, they're they're great games, man, and I I have fond memories of them too. So my hype level is pretty high. I I guess it, I'm not surprised that it's this is kind of exactly where you would think a Resident or a Resident Evil Ratchet and Clank game would land is like eighty to ninety. Like they're I don't know if there is such a thing as a three D platformer that's like a perfect ten. Really, that they're either not good or pretty good. I mean. And, I feel like Mario games get a lot of perfect times thrown at yeah. them. Valid point. I feel Odyssey did and Galaxy, so you're right. I feel like um, Astrobot, especially the VR one, got a, a lot yep. of perfect ten. Or like call like people were like, if this was a Mario game, it would be. People would say it's their game of the year kind yeah. of thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, you're right. I think there are few and far between but there there are some examples of very very good ones and i'm sure this one is very good i'm stoked to see the ps5 
at full force because I didn't play Returnal yet because I'm waiting for a save feature to come out because I don't really want to be like three hours into a game and have it crash on me and have to start all over again, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but Good talk. Uh, until that happens, I'm very much looking forward to playing this. I'm kind of bummed I have to go back to Nebraska for a wedding this weekend to uh because i'm Ooh, not gonna be weddings. able to play it i know <laughs> who gets married honestly come on right just build the anticipation up for it even more though yeah exactly so it'll i'm i'm very much looking forward to playing it at some point well when whenever it is that it comes because i just played the one on my the original ratchet and clank on my vita and that just brought back some really good memories and that game holds up a lot and they do Insomniac does a fantastic job of making these games. This game is so old, like the IP. Can you think of another IP that's this freaking old that still comes up with like bangers? Yeah, exactly. That isn't Legend of Zelda or Mario. Like this one is one of those mainstays that yeah, we haven't had a original game for a long time. I guess the 2016 quasi remake was the last one, but um yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty stoked, and I've heard it shows off the hardware really well. So, and the dual sense, I've heard the you know, sound and stuff out of that is fantastic. So, I mean, God of War is technically from around, not like quite as old, but it's around that era. Yeah, good point. Because it's yeah, it came. I think the first one was like in 2005, right? Certainly, like way fewer entries, though. Yeah, I would um, say so. But it is cool that like Sony. And the PlayStation brand and these like PlayStation like games that you associate with PlayStation are around long enough that they can have a conversation around like, wow, look at the like legacy of the Ratchet and Clank franchise on like how yeah. many great entries it has had. Because I think that's one of the things that Nintendo has going for it is they're just the longest in the game, you know, at this point. And so I think there's more nostalgia and um, it's been really interesting to see the ways that playstation's been like picking up on the fact that there's nostalgia for their brand now yeah it's weird i wonder how much that holds my nephew was up here last week i should ask him because he's like 19 actually i think he turns 19 tomorrow 20 tomorrow anyway uh i wonder if kids of that age have like a similar like you and i have an affinity and memory of mario games back to when the first one came out like but you know kids that are younger than us obviously don't necessarily have those like touchstones to go. Well, they're just different touchstones, you know? Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like is ratchet and clank, like more important to, you know what I mean? As far as gaming history goes in an individual's life, like to a 20 year old than Mario is because they've had more experience with it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think about this a lot. I think, Right now, like you can see the wave of like PS1 nostalgia and like N64 nostalgia and like people making in the same way that they did the 8-bit and 16-bit nostalgia graphic styles, like people making games that are inspired by like Banjo-Kazooie and other like blocky 3D low pixel stuff. Um, But I don't know if they're as impactful. And part of that, I think, is like the cult that built up around the nintendo stuff and like the honestly like the gatekeeping that happened about being like a true gamer and like these are the games that like people who care about games like kind of stuff yeah for sure. so i don't know it's interesting 
But speaking of games that people who care about games care about, <laughs> uh, I think it was just today over on the internet, um, the very, very much rumored and slightly leaked uh, Battlefield 2042 finally had its reveal. Um, EA is showing off the multiplayer only, no single player campaign, no battle royale mode, first person shooter um, with a release date of, I believe, like October 11th. Uh, it's going to be oh October 22nd. I was close. Um, it's going to be cross-gen. Um, Rebecca Valentine has a write-up about what they showed off over at IGN.com, um, where she says that it won't have campaign or battle royale at launch. Um, Angie, this seems right up your alley. Did you get a chance to check this reveal out? Oh my gosh, yes. So I'm not like a huge, or I should say avid Battlefield player. I play a lot with, um, or did play a lot with my old roommate. I think it was Battlefield 4. Did did play 5 for a little bit as well. But watching, I knew this was going to come out and he had mentioned, hey, when it comes out, you want to play? I was like, well, yes. I, do you have to ask this question? Um, but... I didn't realize when I watched the trailer, the trailer for one is amazing and I'm excited about multiple things in said trailer. Um, but I didn't know that it wouldn't have a campaign, which certain games I love playing the campaign. Some, I guess, give or take depending on the story. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really super upset about that. Um, but since the battlefield role or the battle Royale is been a growing love for a lot of gamers as of the past what couple years few years now or more more um i don't think it's a bad thing to not include it if you're just gonna have multiplayer when you it's a it's supporting multiplayer so 128 players on pc ps5 see the series x and s so that's kind of that's a lot of players clashing in multiplayer mm. so that's kind of awesome um but if you're playing on the ps4 or the xbox one which i will be playing that i think i'll actually play on pc now that i think about it but anyway ps4 and xbox one you can play up it supports up to 64 players so that's still a lot if you think about it when you're usually doing a multiplayer match it's like you know 4v4 you know in increments of of that like 16 i think is the biggest one that I can't yeah. think of at the moment. Um, so that I'm kind of interested, <laughs> interested to see how that's going to play out. Well, and that's always been like one of the things that on PC, the like, you know, Battlefield 1942, Battlefield 2, uh, yeah. all of these like early PC Battlefield games in the series, that is what they had to offer is like, you're going to go and it's going to be, I think back in the day, it might have been like, 16 on 16 or 32 on 32. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just that scale of a battle. And so to see them, it's almost like they're going back to basics with like, we're going back to multiplayer only. We're going to do what battlefield does well with these huge, huge fights with like a ton of people on each team. Like 
um, I never played a ton of the series, but I definitely got into it a little bit um, and just have like fond memories of like screwing around with friends and stuff. Um, I always think about my friends who would like fly the planes and like one person would get out on the wing of the plane and snipe from it and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Um, And so like, there's definitely a sense that like, this is a little bit back to basics for them. Um, But enhancing it. But making it, you know, the one thing, so I'm, I'm running the reveal trailer right now, just to kind of scrub through it. And at the start, it said game engine footage, which I don't know what, you know. It's not actual know, gameplay. Yeah, I don't think it's actual gameplay. And so, like, I'd be curious to see what, you know, what gameplay looks like. Um, I'm imagining that there will be more stuff shown at E3. I wouldn't put it past this game popping up at, say, like the Xbox conference or something. Um did they say whether or not it's a full price game or? Or uh, I don't think it does. Um, I or wait, let me see. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think it says anything about price or full. I mean, I would imagine it. You know, would be. Because it's Battlefield, I guess, and they have that series behind them. Maybe they can charge that that full price for it. I don't know, though. Um, I guess we'll see. Because they're going to have seasons come out. That's what they're going to be doing versus, like, that campaign. They're, it's just going to be – they're going to pop out season one. So maybe you pay per season or maybe they you just pay for a bulk of it. And then as the seasons come, you just download it. I don't know how they're going to do that. Yeah, it should be interesting because I guess it makes sense to not have the Battle Royale because I feel like that genre with Fortnite and uh, the Gear – or not Gears of War – um, Call of Duty one from well, and Apex Warzone. From e- I mean, yeah. EA oh, has yeah. their Battle Royale with Apex. Oh, good And point. Yeah. I think Battlefield, I think it was Battlefield 5 two years ago, had like that fire team mode that was kind of a debacle for them. That was their them trying to make a, a Battle Royale work for Battlefield, and it just didn't really hit the way they needed it to, from what I can tell. So yeah. I, I think maybe... They, you know, um, the story Rebecca posted um, links out to Martin Robinson's interview over at Eurogamer with the director of the game um, and says, you know, they really want to lean into what they're good at at DICE. Um, He's saying, uh, I think it's just something that enables us to really lean into what we're best at. Design director Daniel Berlin told Eurogamer um, when talking about the lack of a single player campaign, uh, he goes on to say, if you look at the DNA of the studio, what we've been doing for so long, we just said, you know what? We're not going to have a traditional single player campaign this time around, but we're going to do put all that emphasis and all those resources into building depth into the multiplayer because that's what we do best. They got robot tactical dogs with guns on their faces in this trailer, dude. I don't know. Oh my it gosh. looks pretty cool. I'm really excited about that. And they also said that with the seasons, as the seasons come, you're going to, they're going to introduce new specialists. And with that, they'll have a little bit of a backstory that you can kind of, so you can get into whatever specialist that may be. So I think that that will be interesting to see how they will have that play out as well. 
Yeah, it almost would be kind of like them learning from how the story has been slowly introduced into Apex Legends and how they draw on that lore from the Titanfall universe to kind of build those stories out. I would imagine maybe it would probably be similar to the way that, you know, each time they add a new uh, hero to Legends, they kind of build out a little bit more of the story in that way. So I wonder if they'll kind of take that approach here too. I don't know. It looks cool. I probably won't play it because I'm very bad at Battlefield games, but... More power to you. Maybe on PC with all my PC gamer friends who all want to <laughs> jump on it. Hey, man, you're bound to be better just by being on a PC versus literally anything else. Yeah, I think PC would be the best way to go when playing this game right away. I mean, unless you have a Series X or S or a PS5, but PC is usually how this game like people like to play this game as far as yeah, i know definitely definitely a game that i associate with pc gaming yeah of course um, the franchise but yeah speaking of games that i associate with console gaming but still being first person shooters uh we have just from at pope art underscore on twitter from pope um, a really cool <laughs> uh, custom Xbox uh, that Pope Art mocked up to get people excited for what a possible Halo Xbox Series X limited edition might look like. Um, if Xbox doesn't or Halo don't collaborate and pick this up, I'm going to be a little upset. This looks fucking legit. Yeah, it looks... Love it. I'm so disappointed. I didn't read it closely when uh, that was you guys posted that in Slack earlier. I so I figured it was like a real thing, and I was like, "Whoa, that might actually get me to buy a Series X." And mm-hmm. I'm not like a huge Halo person or a huge Xbox person, but like that thing looks freaking sweet. Oh, right? I love the A button being red on it. Anyways, I, I um, I thought I was I thought it was like a really good render, and it just looks awesome. Um, I also usually I, so. I, I think this opens it up for a little more discussion. Are you guys into the limited edition, like, you know, like branded consoles? Are those things that excite you at all? I don't, I mean, if I don't have a system, I feel like I'm such an early adopter of a system that by the time things like that come out, it's not really relevant for me to buy it because Mm. like the Spider-Man one, they had a, uh, Battlefront 2, Star Wars 1. I think there was a God of War 1. Um, AJ, I know, got the Xbox One X uh, the, Cyberpunk. The Cyberpunk one. That yeah. one, I, I thought, I feel like the design on that one was pretty cool. For sure. So I feel like if they come out at a time that correlates with a time that you're thinking about buying a new console, then it's perfect. But usually, like I said, I'm such an early adopter that by the time they launch those things, I already have it. It's kind of something you already yeah, already picked up. Which is why um, I would be soaked if this was real. You know Right. I agree. I think I if it's something I'm already gonna be getting, like sure, yeah, I'll totally get it, but I'm not about to and it depends on what kind of genre is coming out with that console. Like depending on what the game is, what the theme mm. is. Yeah, like so I mean I think Spider Man and Cyberpunk, like first of all these two are like some of the better looking custom console designs I've seen. 
especially the cyberpunk one. This this is wild looking. If people haven't seen it, I recommend Googling it. Dude, um, it's real cool. And I, I Or hitting to... AJ up on Twitter and saying, AJ, show us your Xbox. Yeah, send me a... Send a pics. Send, send Xbox pics. <laughs> Just, yeah. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, that one, I will say, I think Xbox, at least with the... I can't really think of a lot of other ones, but the PlayStation ones, I didn't really think were ever that cool. I think the Spider-Man one, like, if I had to get a custom PlayStation, I like the Spider-Man controller a lot. But really, to me, like, when you get one of these, like, unless you're, like, displaying it on the wall somehow, like, I feel like you're kind of buying a custom controller and then a box that, like, maybe you see. But anyways, that's me. I also... the. the design on them never really speaks to me enough to get me to pull the trigger on any of them. Maybe everyone just needs to hire Pope art to make their custom designs for their limited editions. I think that's the lesson I'm taking away from this. Or they should just contract somebody that works. Cause you know how Xbox used to have that, studio where you could design your own controller and shit Mm. they should just do something on there where you can pick from like a number of like 10 or so different designs or something for your series x or whatever i think that would be really cool yeah put out like more custom colors almost the way that like the joy cons are for nintendo yeah exactly because like when a new joy con color drops people go loot like go rabid they lose yeah, their minds. I know they do. It's like a with the other thing that Nintendo has. The I want to call them what they're not called. You know what I'm talking about? It's things that work by near field communication that you use. Oh, amiibos. Yeah, amiibos. People go nutsos for those things too, man. Indeed. Um, I think we're gonna jump into some patent pending john swanson 2021 copyright pre three dictions um yeah since we are right on the precipice of the abyss that is the game of unending summer and the summer of unending game the ouroboros of the snake eating its tail that is game announcements um how do we want to do this? I Do we want to just fire off like a couple of our most anticipated things? What we want to see? What we think we'll see? I say we do what we... I mean, I can't... I don't really... I'm not good at predicting things, but I have things that I would love to see that would get me hyped up. As I want to hear about too. that. Unleash yeah. the hype. Well, my, my first one, I would say, is I really want to see a Metroid Prime trilogy combined with an announcement of either when the next one's coming or uh, like trailer for the next Metroid Prime, something like that. That would be my super hype. Because I never played the Metroid Prime games and I feel like that's a deficit in my gaming history, I guess. And especially for how much I like that character and some of those games. Um and I would really like to not have to buy a Wii so that I can go buy Metroid Prime on 
GameCube discs to play them. So that'd be sweet. Or see if you can dislodge the... Wasn't there a Prime Trilogy on, like, Wii? Was there? Maybe there I'm was. almost I, certain. Dude, I don't know. I needed. I need to buy a Wii U. I, I know that's the dumbest thing anyone's ever said, but I, here I am saying it. Like, I, I don't have Wind Waker HD, and if there's a Prime Trilogy on Wii, like, that I could play... $140... Two hundred fifty on eBay, yeah, but it exists. What's a thing? The a Metroid game? Prime trilogy for Wii. Just the game is two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, dude, what the fuck, man? Although here's an eBay listing for one hundred and nine ninety nine. <laughs> Buy it now. Maybe. That's oh, crazy, man. Wii U Metroid Prime trilogy digital twenty dollars on Best Buy. According to Google Ad Services, see, but that's add to cart, do. dude. I gotta buy a. How Wii is U. this real? I don't understand. I have we a gotta, Wii U. We gotta end this episode so I can go buy a Wii U. I'm My prediction is John's gonna John's gonna buy a Wii U. I'm gonna I'm gonna send this to you in an email later. I'll drop it in. I'll drop it in the yeah, doc. Please do. Uh, Just put it in Slack. Um, Andrew, what about you? Is there anything you're hoping to see in this, you know, six week long hype cycle? Is it really that long? I don't know. It feels like it. <laughs> um, well, I am excited to, to hear what's to come from what Xbox and Bethesda, Bethesda, uh, Halo Infinite for sure. I want to see where they're at with that. What's the what's what's just happening i need to know um the indiana jones game we talked about this earlier in the year and it's going to be it's likely to show so if they show that i'm kind of curious to see what that's going to look like as well because i don't know we were talking about it and it seems like the kind of game that i would probably want to get into because it reminds me of like a uh, tomb raider almost mm-hmm. um and then also Obviously, I need to know more information about this Breath of the Wild sequel situation. <laughs> I was took told the words not... right out of my mouth, Angie. It, it, I I was reading things. I was reading some things I should probably not have, but I did. And somebody had mentioned maybe there might not even be a Master Sword. I was like, um, what? Like that just can't not. It just can't happen. Man, need the master you're, you're out here reading the deep web, oh, dude, learning these secrets. Mm-hmm. I needed to. I needed to know some things. And so when I was reading that, um, they said that it won't be like a main part in the game, probably. So if you come across it, sure, you can use it. But it's not going to be like you need this to defeat the enemy like it was kind of before. Um it makes me kind of sad because it's it's one of those key things in Legend of Zelda that you just that's what it's about. Like Zelda gets the Master Sword. Yeah, hundred <sighs> percent. So we'll. And see. then in Breath of the Wild, don't don't you get the Master Sword, but it loses its charge or something weird? Yeah, you have to wait for it to charge. It's dumb, but um, yeah. at, at least it doesn't break and you can't ever use it again. 
Because if that was the case, yeah, just, yeah. I'd be more upset, I think. Some might say that game's dumb, but I don't know. I'm not one of them. I, I know your real thoughts. <laughs> we know the truth. <laughs> Chris, how about you, man? What's something you really want to see? The thing I really want to see, I know is not even going to be there unless it, unless it's not at E3, but it's at Summer Game Fest. I would just love, I would freak out if Hollow Knight Silk Song showed up oh, anywhere. Yes. Thank you. Any, give me, give me just like the logo and some music, man. That's it. I don't need a date. I don't need any gameplay footage. Just remind me that it exists because you know what? They already did. I know, but I just, I need to know that they're like, we're still working on it. I know we're still, we're plugging away. We're like a four person team out here in Australia. Who knows what's happening out here, but team cherry's plugging away. That's all I need. Yeah. Especially if Angie's covering breath of the wild too, for me. (laughs) Yeah, dude. And that's one thing, uh, I guess I kind of, it reminds me a lot of uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, not just because they're similar games in the fact that they're 2D platformers, but also I remember Will of the Wisps was supposed to come out in like 2018 and then it got delayed to, it finally came out in 2020, 2020 which is yeah. totally fine. Like I'd rather uh, wait, you know, but uh, wasn't Hollow Knight was 2017, right? And they announced Silk Song as DLC shortly thereafter, like that mm. uh, fall or something. And so we were, they were like, oh, it's not close to done. But that was like four years ago or maybe it was three years ago, whichever. But um, yeah, that would be badass. I would mm. love to see that. I can jump on that boat with you. Um, Other than that, I, I'm curious to see this rumored... Final Fantasy Souls like oh, that is yeah. set in the era of Final Fantasy One. And I'm really curious to see it because I want to see the way that Square Enix's relationship with PlayStation exclusivity plays out because it's really triggering for me. Um, because I was so excited when they went multi platform last generation. And I just hate that they're keeping the Final Fantasy games on the system I don't have. So I just really want to see like how that pans out. And if like, say, Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate was to like pop up on Game Pass or something just to like appease people like me. But those are the things I'm like in it for the meta of like, how long is Sony going to have a vice grip on the Final Fantasy series? Yeah, it seems weird that it's been this long, man, because it's going on a year, right? At least, yeah, I think. I think it came out in July, but may, or I don't remember. I think it was delayed because because it, it was supposed to be April, and then it was later or something. I don't really remember. Anyway, should we answer this question and then GTFO? Uh, yeah, because sitting on this damn stool fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, I need we a damn chair. Like, yeah, we should get you a pillow or something. Ugh. We're cruising. So we have a mostly normal question sent in from Minion Kevin on Twitter. What's I up, bridged it, Kevin? just so you know, Minion Kevin. I hope that's okay with you. Paraphrasing. Yes. We have, do games today offer a better overall gaming experience 
than games from the 80s, 90s, or 2000s? It's a great question. It is a good question. It'll be hard to answer. It is hard to answer because I don't think you can actually, you can't include visual. You just can't. That doesn't make any sense. Um, Only because it's completely changed, completely different. And I don't think, I mean, so people, a lot of people I would imagine would be like, oh, well, the the design and the the visual aspect of the game looks a lot better now than it did before. Well, well, no shit. But I would, the game itself and what it provides is what I'm taking out of this question. And I, I don't think games today can match what came from the experience in the 80s, 90s. Interesting. I, I think we kind of touched on a little bit of the problem with this, where it's like we were just talking about the nostalgia and like just the emotional investment that's there for some of the older games as you like grow up with them. Um, I think, I don't think, I mean, other than like Breath of the Wild, it is hard for me to think about a game that captured like the childlike awe of playing Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask for me when I was a kid, right? But that's because I have very fond memories tied to what that experience was like. Um, And I think a lot of groundwork was laid out by those earlier games and like mechanically and design wise in terms of like the game design, I think it's building blocks sometimes, but I also think like I watched a really interesting video by Tim Rogers, who I think it was made when he was at Kotaku was just breaking down from memory like the first on-ramping level part of Link to the uh Link between sorry of Link's Awakening and just like how it's like a perfect way to onboard a player into a place and like teach them the rules of a place um I don't know I don't know I feel like everyone I feel like it's too subjective of a subject you know, it's like overall gaming experience. What does that even mean? Which I know is like a non-answer, but I think like, yeah, I'm rambling now. John, what do you think? Well, well as I was gonna say, I'm, like if you break the games down, gaming experience, what do you get from a gaming experience? You know, visual, sound, what you get from the story. You know, if you are excited about the game, you have fun playing the game, you don't get you know, frustrated, but also if you do get frustrated, it makes you want to continue on anyways. Maybe that's just random thoughts. Yeah. I think you're both. I mean, I, you're completely right, Chris, in the fact that it's like completely subjective enough to uh, debate, obviously, but um, I'm kind of with Angie a little bit in like the nostalgia factor that like playing um, Metal Gear Solid, like the original Metal Gear Solid on PlayStation and Ocarina of Time when you were doing things you didn't think were possible. I think now our expectations are so high about what a game 
will look like or can look like. And we're so much more judgmental of what we get that um, I think it kind of takes away from the overall experience that you have. So like today, there are literally thousands upon thousands of games that I can go play after we finish this conversation. And back in like the late nineties, early two thousands, you maybe had like 10 games you could go play at any given point in time. There was no such thing as like downloadable content or anything like that. And I think it made the experience slightly more valuable than it does now. Cause we are so quick to like throw away the experiences for like something else that's, that we determine is better. You know what I mean? It makes things like more disposable feeling now. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like the Netflix like apathy that you have or like decision paralysis where you're just like, how can I play or what should I watch? Oh, I'll just scan through the menu for 30 minutes and then go to bed because I can't decide on what to watch because there's so much freaking content out there. So um, I guess there was something a little bit more sacred about like gaming and the time that you had with it back in the day than there is now. That's my two cents. I definitely feel that too. So, yee. Let us know your thoughts at MN Gamers Podcast on the Twitterverse or podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. Or if you think that there is a best overall decade to have experienced gaming in, send us that decade. You can also yeah. submit questions through our Google voicemail. Oh, yeah. And that phone number is 507-291-2991. And we will feature you on an episode of the podcast if you do that. So please reach out. We want to hear your voices. Before we uh, do the outro situation, I just wanted to shout out to um, a listener on the podcast. She... Um, her name is, uh, excuse me, princess, um, at Abby Duda. Her, she had mentioned on Twitter yesterday that her phone created a montage of her dog that had passed away. And I feel for her for sure. So I sent her out some virtual hugs. I feel bad. Yeah, that's so I wanted to shout out to her because she's probably just not in a good place right now. And I told totally I, um, have never had a bad time interacting with Abby on Twitter. And I'm really sad to hear that for her. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, everybody. So send some love uh, her way. And um, Abby, thanks for listening. Uh, we're happy to have you. For sure. For sure. That's tough. That's going to do it this week for the show. Thank you everyone for listening. Um, Angie, would you let everyone know where they can find you on the internet? At Stellar Smalls. John, how about you? Oh, I am at Johnny Samsonite on Twitter or Nugcats on PlayStation. I'm at VG Occasion on Twitter, and I'm more than occasionally staying at Twitter because as soon as people said that the Nintendo Switch Pro was going to be finally revealed i've checked twitter compulsively for the last two weeks and it's not there yet um you can check twitter compulsively and find us on the podcast at mn gamers podcast 
Uh, if you want to contribute to the content, you can by sending us an email to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com or, again, sending us questions to the voicemail at 507-291-2991. You can sign up for Mostly Normal Monthly, our newsletter at mngamers.substack.com, and it will hit your inbox this Monday. Uh, and lastly, please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. We love positive feedback. Um, that's going to do it for the show this week. Everybody, welcome to the bounteous, almost Christmas-like time of the year, but it's six months early. Happy Summer Games Fest. Happy E3. And we will see you all in the middle of the storm next week. It's a half Christmas. Yeah, yeah. A half miss. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.